This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to talk about making your presentations more inclusive for people who have disabilities. And our guest is Donna Mack. Hey, Donna, welcome to Speakernomics. Thanks so much, Tom. I am so happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here because this is something that's really important for everybody because our audiences are made up of all types of people. And you told me before we started recording that people with disabilities make up 25% of the population. And that kind of took me aback. But then when you think about it, a lot of things fall under that realm of disabilities. So what are the things that, that people have beyond maybe being visually impaired or, or hearing impaired? What are some of the other things that fall into those terms? You know, what's interesting is a lot of times when people think about disabilities, I think that we tend to think about obvious disabilities, apparent disabilities, but 60% of disabilities are conditions that are not seen or not obvious. And I think that most of us can relate that during COVID, a lot of folks found themselves dealing with anxiety and depression that maybe they hadn't experienced before. Well, if those prevent you from engaging in one or more major life activities, you know, if they're significant enough to get to that point, then they, in fact, are a disability. Or, you know, a lot of creatives are people who maybe have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And ADHD contributes greatly in a very positive sense to a lot of folks' ability to, to create and to generate ideas. So disabilities are often people's superpowers. <laughs> right. Well, and that, that is true. And if you're not thinking about it, though, those are things that really impact how your audience can pay attention, how your audience can be engaged, and your ability to really create a presentation that's going to be fully inclusive for everybody. So I want to jump into this, and we're going to go a lot of places because this involves a lot of things. It's not just about our presentations. It's also about our websites and how we market ourselves and, and how we engage with our clients and the participants at conferences. But let's just start off very basically talking about disability inclusive presentations. What are your two tips for speakers to be more successful in this arena? My two tips are number one, don't let your visuals be just visual. And number two, always enable captioning. All right. Well, let's start right there. Don't let your visuals just be visual. Aren't my visuals visual? That's the whole point. What are you talking about, Donna? 
Okay, what I'm talking about is, let's say you're at a conference and there's this amazing speaker that you've waited years to hear and see. And so you show up at their session and it's packed. Maybe you don't have a clear line of sight. You didn't get a handout because it's so full of attendees. And this individual is going over their secret sauce and they're about to give you all the ingredients. And they get to the final main ingredient that really nobody knows about and they reveal it through a slide but since you don't have a clear line of sight it's lost on you and how does that feel and i cannot tell you how many times as a speaker with well as an individual an audience member with vision loss how many speeches i have witnessed where the main point to the story is revealed in a slide and you know that's okay And there's a great deal of impact to that. And I've used slides to my advantage sometimes too. But I think the point then is that it's kind of like you wait just a second and then you do a real quick description of what's on the slide, what's in that picture. Because maybe some people are fully sighted, but they don't have a clear line of sight. And, you know, or maybe somebody might just be nearsighted or whatever. And it's your timing on that needs to be just like it is with a laugh. You know, you don't want to you don't want to step on the laughter. You want to give the impact of that slide just a second to breathe. So you, you know, you take a beat and then you describe it. And the other thing that I would say is if you do know that there's someone with a disability in your audience, don't call them out. Don't say, oh, I'm describing this for Donna. Oh, yeah. I may want to be anonymous there. You know, I just want to be. No, you're describing it for whomever may need it because you don't know who's there that hasn't disclosed. That brings up a really interesting point. Is this something we should be asking the meeting planners up front? Are there people in the audience who may have some sort of a of a limiting disability so that you can be aware? Now, then following your latter piece, don't call them out on it. But should we be up front asking if there's people who have mobility challenges, who might have sight or hearing challenges so that we can prepare accordingly? I think so. And something that I advise folks to do all the time is to prepare something that I call an an accommodation statement and to put that on any materials that, you know, if somebody has to register for a class with you or if you're hosting an event and I encourage meeting planners to do this all the time. And it's basically a statement that says something to the effect of if you have a disability or a condition that prevents you from fully engaging in an ABC company event and require a reasonable accommodation for full participation, please contact Mary at abccompany.com a minimum of five days in advance for arrangements to be made, something to that effect. And I just think a statement like that is, is good because it covers, it lets people know that they're welcome. And again, it's a reasonable accommodation. It doesn't mean that person is going to be able to necessarily get the white glove treatment or the most expensive accommodation. But hey, if somebody needs a ramp, they need a safe ramp to be able to enter a facility or if they need captioning, that the captioning needs to be provided. Well, and I want to get back really quick to, to the part of that first tip about having your visuals not always be visuals. You know, I've, I've hosted over a thousand podcast episodes between Speakernomics, my own show that I host, and a couple of other associations that I've worked with in creating their shows. And one of the things that I've learned from doing audio presentations via 
podcasting is that when I interview people, sometimes they'll do exactly what you said. We'll, we'll often see each other face to face because we're recording over Zoom and I'll ask a question like, you know, how many years have you been participating in whatever they're an expert in? And they'll hold up three fingers and nod like, oh yeah, oh, three wow. years. And it's like, yeah, this is an audio uh, presentation. And so I often have to coach people <laughs> to remember that we are using an audio format. And so this is something speaks from what you're saying. This is what speakers should think about is Absolutely. what are the types of things that could be limiting for people and what can you do to not change your speech, but to make sure you're being inclusive for those people who may not be able to hear you or see you or get up and shake somebody's hand or move around the room in the ways that people can do. That people might traditionally do. Yeah, correct. Yes. Well, and, and actually, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard Jess Pettit actually say pretty much the exact same thing that you did. And I thought she put it brilliantly. She just said, if you're speaking, design your speech in such a way that if it were going to be presented on an audio only podcast, that people, it it would be intelligible to people that they would understand what you were saying. So that's a great piece of advice. And we also just stumbled onto something else is I was looking for the right words to say what people would traditionally be able to do was your was your answer. You saved me there because I got tongue tied because I didn't want to say what people would normally be able to do because I, I I'm well enough aware that that's not the right word. I mean I'll just I'll just be honest I'm I'm aware that that wouldn't be the right word to come out of my mouth. However. I wasn't sure where to go with that. And I think this is something that makes a lot of speakers nervous. I know it made me nervous 30 seconds ago when I was trying to find the the right word. So what are some things, some words that speakers need to be aware of, maybe words not to use? And what are the words they should be using when it comes to communicating to people who have disabilities? It's so funny that you said you got tripped up and were kind of afraid to say the word normal. And sometimes I do say normal probably not as much in reference to disability, except that there are some things that are normal for me. And one of those things is that I'm blind, I have vision loss. And it's interesting because there are people who are afraid to either A, say the word blind around me, or they're afraid to say words like see and watch. And I have people all the time that if I say, oh, well, you know, yeah, I saw that on TV or man, I can't remember where I saw that book title. And then they kind of giggle about it and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that. It's like, why would I not say that? That's a normal thing to say. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to say that's a typical thing to say in a setting like that, but I wouldn't ordinarily use the word normal to describe disability or not. But don't worry about using words like see, hear and walk around those of us who can't do those things, because guess what? Most of us are fully aware of the fact that we can't do those things. I would never use the word handicapped. I would use the word disability. And some people are so uncomfortable that they feel like they have to create new words. And one of them is the word handicapable, which makes me want to gag. <laughs> I, I've not I've not heard that one before, but OK. Uh, well, you probably hear that more in the disability community. Most people with hearing loss, they're okay to say, if you say the person has hearing loss or they're hard of hearing or they're deaf and deaf people will definitely say I'm deaf. And just an FYI for everybody out there, age-related hearing loss is the most underreported disability in the United States. And so that's why I say always enable captioning because you know what? Captioning actually helps people 
pay a little bit better attention to if their mind is wandering a little bit. So it's not just for folks with hearing loss. And I think it's almost always helpful unless my screen reader decides to read out the captioning too, in which case <laughs> I just turn the speech off on my computer. So that leads us in. That's a perfect segue into your second tip, which is always enable captioning. Yeah. However, sometimes when we're speaking at a conference, when we're live in person, we don't have the option for captioning or sometimes we do and it doesn't necessarily work and it can be somewhat distracting for people because it's making up sentences that aren't what the person is saying. Right. So where is the technology for the large conference room using captioning and how can a speaker be sure that they're getting access to that and that uh, they're getting access to captioning that will will work and not be distracting? There are a couple of tips and I am not an AV pro. So some of the technical side of this, I don't speak to very well, but I can tell you that just like Zoom or um, Microsoft Teams or Google Meet, all of those have the ability to uh, provide captioning. But I will tell you that Zoom, for example, in my opinion, Zoom is the most blind friendly of those online platforms. Teams is kind of somewhere in between. And Google Meet is definitely the most captioning friendly of all of those platforms. And what's interesting is I would also say that Zoom is probably the least caption friendly. So I know it's possible to use Google Live Caption and capture that on an Android tablet, for example, and then work with your AV team to be sure that you use a projector and get that projected somewhere. Or maybe you make tablets, of the, depending on the size of the event, maybe tablets can be made available to those folks who require the captioning. So is there anything that speakers should be aware of when they are presenting, whether they are live, hybrid, or virtual that you think, I wish more speakers would just be aware of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when you're talking a hybrid event or even more so a virtual event. As speakers, it's so important for us. You know, we have this message that we feel so compelled to share with the world. This is our purpose and our mission in life, okay? And we want to make sure people are engaged. And so I have actually had speakers, presenters, when I've been online in a meeting, either call me out because it took me too long to respond or maybe not understand that there are some people who actually do better off camera. You know, we want to see that engagement. We want to be sure that they're really hearing us and that we're connecting with them. And, you know, we want to be there to change lives. But how much of that is about us? And our need to feel fulfilled and how much of that is really about the needs of our audience members. And like, for example, folks who are neurodivergent, which could be folks with ADHD, could be folks who are on the autism spectrum. A lot of people in those situations really do better and can focus more completely when they are off camera and they don't have the stress of having to make eye contact while they focus on what the speaker is saying, or they don't have to focus on anything that's going on in the background. They can just listen and absorb. And for folks like me and for folks with other kinds of disabilities, our technology may take it longer for us. It may be such that it takes us longer to 
to respond. I mean, it takes me a lot of time to number one, just migrate to the chat because I can't use a mouse and I'm having to tab over to the chat and then type my answer in. So it may not be done in a timely manner. And some folks, you may need to recognize that, yeah, ask people to type in the chat, but you may also want to give some of your participants the ability to come off mic for a second and give a brief answer. I mean, I know that takes a little more on monitoring for time and that kind of thing. Or but conversely, there are some folks who are much more comfortable typing and their learning styles and the way their brain works. They do better typing in the chat and they would not want to go on camera or on mic because they'll absorb it better the other way. So, Donna, I want to shift gears a little bit because I know that you know a lot about websites and how making them inclusive for people with different types of disabilities is so important. So when it comes to marketing ourselves and our website and, and maybe our speaker videos and things like that, what are some things that speakers should be aware of in that arena? OK, the three things that I see the most are either incorrect or insufficient or non-existent use of alt tags, alt tags, alt stands for alternative description. And a lot of speakers use alt tags for their SEO, for their search engine optimization. And that's not what they were designed for. That's a nice side benefit. Alt tags were designed to help blind people. And what they're there for is they are there to give us a description of your graphics. And if you play your hand correctly, you can actually increase your SEO while you increase your accessibility by using alt tags appropriately to describe maybe what you're wearing or what you're doing or something about how your spirit's captured in a particular picture or what you're teaching on, because that may involve some keywords. You know, I don't want to buy something from someone if I can't get a good feel for their personality from their website and think about how would it be for you if all you did was read somebody's copy and you couldn't see their pics and you couldn't see the colors they chose on their website. Well, it's, it's interesting because when you think about alt tags, most people I know cram them full of just keywords for that search engine optimization thing. But I would imagine if your reader is looking at them and it's saying, you know, all kinds of just buzzwords that don't make any cohesive sense, all of a sudden right. they become useless for you. So that is a great point. And, and the other thing that with alt tags, what's interesting is I've seen on a lot of websites where uh, it even has to do with whatever buttons on, are on your website. Sometimes it'll just say button, button, button. And usually those are for social media. So be sure that you do have an alt tag on your social media buttons that would say LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. Nice. So you said there were a couple things. The first one was alt tags. What are the other two? Uh, the other two are to be sure, other than having somebody like me check your site out, honestly, I'm not sure how you would know, but the other mistakes that I see are inaccessible web forms like contact forms. So I would say, be sure that just to ensure that your forms are accessible, that you have both the contact form, but you also put like an alternate phone number and or, you know, be sure that your email address or somebody from your team has an email address that's up there in case someone has an issue with your site, in case the form doesn't work. The last thing is CAPTCHAs. And for people who don't know what CAPTCHAs are, CAPTCHAs are those little things that say, I'm not a robot. And most CAPTCHAs, you'll get a visual CAPTCHA 
They'll a lot of times give you a choice to have an audio captcha. Those work sometimes, most of the time, but sometimes not. And they're designed to make sure that you're not a bot. You are right, because when I think of those CAPTCHAs, it's often like, you know, identify all the motorcycles, click all the boxes that has a motorcycle in it. And if you're visually impaired, you wouldn't you wouldn't know where the boxes were. Right. No, you can't. And so my you know, my second choice would be, say, give one that gives a choice to have an audio capture. Or my favorite one is just the one where you can just check the box that says I'm not a robot. That's the best one, because like I said, every once in a while, the audio ones don't work. So Donna, you are a consultant and a speaker who you really work with organizations to help transform the cultures, to make them disability related. How did you get involved in this journey? Let's talk a little bit about your consultant and speaker journey. How did you get into this business? Oh my gosh. Um, Real life. I did a lot of disability advocacy early on in my own life, in part for myself. And I spent several years as uh, the chair of a local nonprofit on disability and did a whole lot of presentation, a whole lot of consulting for free as part of that. So as a result of my community work, I was asked to be on the ADA access committees for AT&T Stadium and Global Life Field and just, you know, continue to do more, more presenting and so, you know, here I am. So you've been an active member of the of the National Speakers Association for about nine years. Yeah. And most of us know you and like you, but we really know and love Wella, your guide dog. Everybody knows and loves Wella. She is she is like the coolest dog ever. So as more and more people who have disabilities get into the speaking business and that that has grown a lot in the last few years, what advice do you have for people uh, who have a disability on how they can thrive and succeed in this industry? I would say be yourself. Don't expect that your inspirational story around your disability is going to be enough to generate the business to pay your bills. Be sure that you have a good body of knowledge about life as well. I feel like a lot of people with disabilities want to be quote unquote inspirational speakers. And yeah, just, you know, just having that personal story, it's not enough. You really have to do the work. It's not going to be handed to you. You have to make the connections and you have to work as hard as any able-bodied peer out there to make it happen. As we're looking at speakers who are, you know, talking to all kinds of audiences, what are the last words that you wish everybody knew that they could take into consideration when they're thinking about their audience that is going to have people with all different types of disabilities? What, what, what's that one thing you just wish everybody knew that, that isn't talked about? Just relax. In our culture right now, we're all so afraid of offending people. And I do want you to be mindful and intentional in your language But honestly, what comes through is your heart. We are people just like you. Assume positive intent and, you know, give it your best. Just go out there and and be sincere and be intentional. 
Well, Donna Mack, you are known as the disability diplomat. I think that you have done that today for our NSA community and the whole speaker world who listens to Speakernomics. Thank you so much for, for being a guest with us today. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. Do me a favor. Join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and be more successful as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.